0: Six Evanston to exit eighty three La Barge Road as of six fifty seven PM, February twenty eight, two thousand twenty three. The estimated opening time is unknown. As long haul Paul Marhoofer Early this week, detailing his experience in Wyoming in late February, when that automated voice you heard up top was in his ear quite often during an extended stay at a particular truck stop in Laramie. Yeah, it's been a winter from hell along I-80 in Wyoming. I'm Todd Dills, your Overdrive Radio Podcast host as usual, and in case you missed that story early this week of March 17th, 2023, podcast coming to you on our usual Friday drop here Marvel was kind enough to relay it here for the podcast listeners. But we've also got a special treat in this one in the voice of owner operator Andy Freeman out of Wisconsin, who hauls in a 2014 Freightliner 122 SD, pulling a much newer Trail King RGN mini deck, outfitted for what are mostly oversized loads. I caught up with Freeman in Orlando, Florida, on the site of the Specialized Carriers and Rigging Association's annual Specialized Transportation Symposium. Freeman, Leased to Landstar now for many years and hauling mostly aviation related freight, airport to airport as he puts it. Had his rig empty and set up at the conference hotel in the parking lot where Florida Highway Patrol inspectors demonstrated a walk around level two inspection of it for conference attendees. While I say the trailer was empty, that's not entirely true. Almost dead center lengthwise on the mini deck was an itty bitty strapped down toy loader that of course, I had to ask Freeman about. Turns out it wasn't just his attempt at good humor for the conference attendees and those inspectors, as it were.
1: I always have a load. I'm always loaded. And whenever you're loaded, it's, not, it's mental. Yeah. Whenever you're loaded, it's not all that bad. Yeah. Now, you're making money,
0: right? There's more to it in the conversation that follows. Also, owner-operator Freeman's fortuitous find delivering a solution to one particularly long-suffered problem for many a heavy specialized hauler, not to mention flatbedders, particularly those with no more than your standard sort of 70-inch sleeper, as is the case for his 122 SD.
1: So that is a standard, really off-the-shelf, I mean, there's a lot of little extra goodies on it, but that truck as a regular Freightliner, Daimler piece of equipment. yeah, 70 um, inch sleeper, right? 70 inch sleeper, it could be, an, it could be a company truck for that matter. Yeah. And in, in the end, I've been in the industry now for 33 years. And, it, and I've been in platform for 23 years. And a lot of times you just want to take a shower. <laughs> right. uh, just to get the, just to take a rinse um after a little bit of tarping or something. If, if you're in miami or you're in orlando and it's 90 degrees outside you're tarping you're going to get hot and sweaty well after you get all done tarping it's time to go you're all hot and sweaty now you got to sit in the seat all hot and sweaty and funky um for however long it takes you to get to a shower now ultimately you're going to try to do this to where you can get to a place to park safely and legally and then take a shower so it took me a while Um, I finally went on Sprinter Van RV and I just I don't even know how I got there but somehow I searched through I was surfing the web and I ended up crashing into that site and (laughs) I found
0: and what did he find the big reveal after the break and we'll dive right into the scene in late February with Paul Marhover out on I-80 in Wyoming after a quick word from Overdrive Radio's sponsor Hows.
2: Now that winter's here, it's time to prepare yourself for the conditions you'll encounter. By adding Howes Diesel Treat at every fill-up, you can prevent your diesel fuel from gelling in even the coldest temperatures. While it safely removes water, adds lubricity, and prevents deposits, the nation's number one anti-gel will help protect your engine and provide you with the added power you crave. Backed by the only no-tow guarantee, How's Diesel Treat will keep you rolling no matter what weather comes your way. Learn more at houseproducts.com. House. Tested. Trusted. Guaranteed. That's H-O-W-E-S. HouseProducts.com. If
0: you've used How's fuel treatments like Diesel Treat throughout your career, we want to hear from you about your experience. Call and leave your name and tell your story on our podcast message line at 615-852-8530. Give your mailing address and we'll send you a prize pack, too, from the House Company featuring its Diesel Defender Treatment, as well as the House Multi-Purpose Alcohol-Free Penetrating Oil. That's 615-852-8530. Okay, handing it off here to Longhaul Paul Marhofer, here for the tale of the long, cold road. Mistakes made? More marooned with closures late last month along I-80 in Wyoming.
3: Packing to leave on Sunday is the worst. You'd think I'd be used to it by now after four million miles, but I'm not. In fact, for some reason, it's getting harder. While the folks around us readied themselves for Sunday Mass, I commenced to disgorge the dining room table of an unruly mound of clean laundry, rolling up bib overalls and stuffing them into my red and black Stoops Freightliner duffel bag. A door prize from a 2017 company safety picnic held well before the pandemic sent such events the way of the dinosaur. Then there was the hanging of the shirts, the stowing of socks and undies into their respective compartments, and as I packed, my other half-jumper was transfixed upon her phone, watching the weather out west. "'Have you seen the weather in Wyoming, dear?' She said, nope, and I'm not looking at it. Okay. One of those OKs that bore the imprimatur, let's say, of a long-suffering trucker's wife. Elongated O followed by a sing-songy K. A portent of imminent doom followed by a kind of resignation. Look, I drive the mile that's in front of me, and if they shut me down, they shut me down, I said. That's how I do it. I don't look at the weather. I never look at the weather. I've got food, water, and a blanket. Got everything I need. What am I going to do? Call off the load? The estimated opening time is unknown. Okay. Then came the loading of food. Shaving kit. Hung shirts, guitar, and that red and black Stoops Freightliner duffel bag into the old F-150... Until the last darkening of the door and the hug goodbye. But this time, Jumper broke down sobbing. She's really not much of a crier, so just what was that all about? Too late. Gotta go. Been 41 years with that woman. And I still really don't know how to read her most of the time. You think I'm afraid of a little snow? Nothing clears the head like a reefer load to Salt Lake City. You go to a small town in Ohio, drop, hook, and there's two and a half days of nothing but pure driving. When it comes to trucking, at least where I work, Salt Lake City, man, it's the best of the best. If the load shakes loose late, or if you simply sandbag it out of the house, all you gotta do is get yourself to the Iowa 80 truck stop, Declare victory, go to bed, and let the white noise of I-80 sing you to sleep. On better days, you can make Brooklyn, maybe even Stewart, before you shut down for the night. Then there's nothing you have to do but get up the next morning, go about your morning rituals, pre-trip your truck, and drive. It's old man's freight, really. Easy peasy. On the second day, you declare victory at Ogallala or Points West. And have yet another nice relaxing sleep get up the next morning go about your pre-trip morning ritual and drive on the third day you deliver yes it's simply the best run they've got except for weeks like this one when you're laid up in a fetal position in laramie with i-80 shut down Calling the five one one line over and over again for the automated male voice to tell you over and over the estimated opening time is unknown. The estimated opening time is unknown. the estimated opening time is unknown. unknown. The opening time is so you walk into the petro, there's nothing left to do now but order the hamburger steak and put yourself in a food coma. The ecosystem of a truck stop changes when the road shuts down. People were lingering, having long conversations. I hadn't seen so many customers in there since before the pandemic. I got my belly full, and sauntered into the TV room to see if I could catch a little conversation before nap time. A disheveled man of about 30 was holding forth, telling his troubles to whoever would listen. "'I've been shut down five times this winter.' Last week for four days, he said. It was Tuesday afternoon. There was something wrong with his voice and demeanor. As if all these shutdowns were on the verge of shutting him down. He spoke like a man who couldn't quit shivering. I've been here this time since Sunday. He was Probably some mega-fleet rookie psyched out by a hand-holding dispatcher, I thought. That's what you tell yourself when you've got a job to do and people around you are melting down. I had to get out of that room. The food coma was beginning to make itself known just as a desperation was coming over me. I walked outside. I thought of my wife asking if I'd looked at the weather. Maybe I should have given it a look-see. At least in Ogallala, I called her and told her as much, then went to sleep. I came out of the food coma around dusk. The wind was still howling. The automated male voice broke the bad news. The estimated opening time is unknown. 8 p.m. Same. The estimated opening time is unknown. Around 9, I slammed a quart of whole milk and some Oreos and induced my second coma. I was slept out by one, and called one more time. We were open. This was different than previous road closure situations I'd been in in years past. In pre-ELD days, you could tell the road was open by a mass exodus of trucks. It was like people leaving a concert. Now just two or three were trickling out. Somehow, I relished the change, though. Surprisingly, few rigs were on the road now, and almost all of them were driving like real pros. The hardest thing in recent months has been the sheer volume of trucks going insanely fast in icy conditions. I've seen it. You're barely holding it together at 35 or 40 miles per hour, and they scorch past you doing 60, maybe 70 in the lane that hasn't even been cleared of snow and they all look so young to me california illinois from wherever they're from maybe it's my own perception bias i'll admit but you just know they're going to wreck sometimes they do many times you see those same trucks jackknifed in the median at least for now those guys weren't on this road as if a higher force was out there somewhere saying, No worries, Hand. I got this. It's been a winter from hell here. The Wyoming Business Report noticed fatalities went up from 6 in 2022 to 20 in 2023 as of February 17th, a spike north of 300%. After some time, conditions cleared and we were at road speed westbound and heading for Elk Mountain. Maybe next time I'll catch the weather ahead of time and go the southern route through Denver. Thanks for listening. This is Paul Marhofer. Have a
0: safe trip. Big thanks, Paul. Most definitely check those weather reports. Jumper knows best in this case. Noted Overdrive reader Brian Sheehan and well-considered commentary under Paul's story at overdriveonline.com early this week. As Sheehan wrote, quote, The reason checking those weather reports before you leave is wise is you already know you're going to need to take the southern route before you go and you can plan for it. Though this time of the year, it's almost a foregone conclusion. You'd think 70 across the high peaks would be worse in the winter, yet it rarely is, end quote. Sheehan added that he, quote, Always finds it humorous when someone is calling out the rookies and the fleet drivers. When you watch any of the videos of the massive pileups, there are more fancy owner-operator trucks crashing than any fleet in them, he contended. He then went on. It always amazes me how other veteran drivers out here talk about how they don't want to use newer technology like weather apps that would make them safer, more productive. Like not using those technologies as some kind of a virtue." End quote. So Jumper's long, drawn out, okay. She and rightly dubbed, quote, a worried wife knowing her husband was being foolish. Point taken, Paul Marhofer says. And food for thought. Now, jumping right in with owner operator, Andy Freeman, detailing a long career, including military experience, toward where he is today.
1: Andy Freeman, Richland Center, Wisconsin. I've been in heavy specialized for 23 years. I worked for another company and I wasn't really happy with them. And I thought I've heard good news about Landstar. And I talked to some Landstar BCOs, business capacity owners, and uh, they could not talk anything bad about them. So I thought, well, I'll just try this out, and that's where I ended up. And what I really like about Landstar is, I'm a one truck, one guy operator, but I have the buying power of ten or twelve thousand trucks, and that's how Landstar's set up. So I get discounts on tires, I get discounts on fuel, I get discounts on repairs. I can get discounts on on buying equipment. So instead of me going in there as an owner operator and they're like, okay, well, it's $9 for this thing. We'll just give it for instance, Landstar's price might be $4. And if you're buying tires, um, tires can, well, they can be really expensive, but if it's for an owner operator, it could be $500. You might get it to Landstar or corporate discount and get it for $350, dollars Tell me about the, the truck and trailer that we're looking at here. I ordered that's a that's a GHG 14 2014 Freightliner SD122. I ordered that truck in 2013. We got it in 2014. Um, it's not derated. rated. It's 100 percent GHG. It's still GHG. The trailer is a 21. I ordered by special order the trailer a Trail King. We kind of spent five months picking it out uh, trying to get everything just right for it Uh, it's got very little camber in it it don't haul a lot of weight I didn't build it to haul a lot of weight I have built it to haul tall and wide mostly airport to airport although I still do a lot of vehicles not so much military vehicles but more show semi trucks I do a lot of semi trucks and show trucks or NASA, I've done NASA stuff too. It's a DD16, 600 horse. I cut it back to 1850. The drivetrain is set up for 2250, but by reducing the torque out of the motor, it takes the stress off of the bearings, it takes the stress off the drivetrain, it takes the stress off of everything. Even though the bearings are set up and the whole drivetrain is set up to do heavy or heavy torque, by reducing it, it'll lower my risk of a maintenance or a failure on the road. 13 speed manual
2: okay. you've got uh like the, the manufactured housing style uh, adjustable mirror brackets on your when you uh on your tractor there tell me tell me about why you did that and uh, when you when you did that
1: you get- i chose and i went through um a manufacturer in indiana that does uh conversions they convert semi trucks over to toter trucks right. toter trucks are the guys who haul mobile homes down the road. They're generally, they could be anywhere from 14 to 18 foot wide. And when you start looking at what heavy haul does, we're either, well, we could be all the way up to 18 foot wide or wider. Yeah. The the totem mirror system that I put on the truck allows me to put the mirrors out without any painful, trying to modify something or make something work so I get a mirror out there so I can see behind me. A lot of states, almost all of states, require me to have something back there so I could see. Camera systems are starting to come in where they're letting us do more cameras. But ultimately, it's a mirror that's down the side of it. And with the electric mirrors, I'm able to adjust the mirrors in and out so I can get them out there. I can see down the side of the trailer and I can even though I have a pilot car or escorts behind me. Having the mirrors is always best because then I always have that ability to see.
0: With some of the high and wide pieces he pulls on the Trail King, RG, and Mini Deck, that ability to see is paramount for sure, particularly in keeping an eye on the average motorist or another trucker who might be coming up alongside approaching a bridge or another shoulder obstruction that may well require Freeman to maneuver back a little further into parts of the left lane. At the Specialized Carriers Conference, a big topic of discussion among the variety of panels centered on education of those both inside and outside of trucking a greater awareness of safe practice around oversized loads, about being mindful of pilot car maneuvering and the like. It's a big part of what owner operator Freeman wants other pros and non-professionals alike to recognize about so, what he does.
1: Whenever a load is going down a road and it's flagged up with or without an escort, um, uh, the best way to think about what that load is in front of you that's going slow, and it could be a truck with no escorts, it could be a truck with a half a dozen escorts. The easiest thing to remember is that truck is actually hauling somebody's job. There's something on that trailer um, that's going somewhere that will directly or indirectly affect anybody and everybody who's gonna be around it. In a lot of cases, I haul people's jobs. In my department, where I do a lot of airport to airport, somebody's gonna use that engine and they're gonna be sitting on an airplane not even thinking about it, and that motor is gonna help them get on travel. I've hauled power plant equipment, that's gonna turn your lights back on. I've hauled equipment into manufacturing that stamps out automobile parts, um, almost everything that you use today, or you're gonna to buy today. It ends up on the back of somebody's truck. And generally at the beginning of it, it's on a specialized piece of equipment and it's probably more than likely gonna be oversized. It's the widgets that make people go to work. <laughs> yeah. In the specialized department, we haul widgets, big ones, big widgets. It could be a little widget, but at the end of the day, somebody's going to work.
2: You got a little one on your on your trailer here today. Uh, tell me, tell me what that's.
0: As noted up top, Freeman had a little Tonka loader secured to the big expanse of his empty mini deck throughout the day, out in the conference hotel parking lot, through the mock walk around, level two inspection, and everything.
1: So, that started decades ago, and, and it really comes down to, it's a fun little toy. Um, a lot of people, for just one second, when it takes them for to go flying by you, they'll see it, and it'll put a smile on their face, and, 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 and for one brief minute, they won't be as alley as they, they were. And it, it helps break the monotony up, and it makes them smile, and puts them in a better mood, so when they're driving around you, it, they have a different attitude. The other the other hidden meaning is if I'm going down a road and there's nothing on my trailer, well I'm not making any money. So if with my little loader on there, having it on there, I always have a load. I'm always loaded. And whenever you're loaded, it's not it's mental. Yeah. Whenever you're loaded, it's not all that bad. Yeah. Now, there's a little keynote about that. Um it is in in, in states like California, um, because this happened to me um they actually consider that to be freight <laughs> and if you're hauling freight on a commercial vehicle you have to have a permit and i have as i have been asked for a permit for one little loader and i have actually two bill of ladings filled out uh, for my little loader i pick it up at my house at my convenience yeah. and i deliver it at my house at my convenience you got them like pre-filled out they're like already filled yeah. out <laughs> when i get there and it ain't get delivered but you gotta have a bill of lading. I actually have a bill of lading for the little guy. And I get a lot of people that smile at me. Um, one That's who cool. are, That's one cute. who can, who do look around. Yeah. They just smile and for that little bit that they're, they're around me, they're happy campers. And the whole time they're around me, they're happy campers. And when they're happy campers, they're a safer driver. Yeah, They're not as tight, they're, they're not as tight. Or, or, and it's just yeah. yeah, I mean,
2: You can be happy and distracted, I suppose, but the things that uh, that really wind you up and make you mad are the things that really distract you the most mentally, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. And usually, people when I'm oversized, is a lot of it turns out to be the uh, the van division and in, in trucking. They'll pull right in front of you, and that's probably the biggest thing that pisses somebody with oversize off. Because we tried to stay to the right, whether we're on the white line or over the white line, or we're over the. the the rumble strips we try to keep one lane of the interstate open and try to put most of the load in the very right lane or on the shoulder most of the time I'm on the shoulder but invariably what happens is I got to be able to look up the road as far as the eyeball will let me go whether it's a half a mile or two miles or I might see something around a corner that you can only see for a split second but if I get a van right in front of me yeah. I'm unable to see that for that one second, which means I'm I'm not able to start moving my way off the shoulder. So ultimately what happens is uh, somebody with a van or a reefer, somebody with a big trailer will pull right in front of you. You can't see nothing. And then if I have an escort, we just, we everybody's going to be arriving alive at 55 because that's what we're going to end up being doing. Yeah, And that's it's just to right get up. me the cushion yeah. out in front so I can because you never want to wax you never want to hit somebody or hit a bridge or hit structure that's on the shoulder It just magically appears or right. somebody just automatically just stops and think the white line is a safe line when i've got loads sitting two feet or three feet on the other side of that white line i got to have time to react yep i got to make the public time to react so they can react to me and when i just got to move over for a split second i get so many semi trucks that hang out on my driver's side and i need to get over To get away from something or somebody on the the side of the road right that that makes my job really really hard ultimately what happens is we end up shutting down two lanes instead of one and i'll put a pilot car over in the left lane or i'll go to most of the time i'll stay in the right and put the load over to the next lane and then put the pilot car in the next lane to my left so they have a clear vision down the road too and that's just the way it's going to end up being.
2: So I mean, I guess like the word of advisement there for um, our our uh, big box pullers out there is to
1: get seven to ten, <laughs> keep, stay in the left lane and go seven to ten truck links out there. Don't cut right in front of me. Um, give me the seven to ten truck links. It's okay. Y'all can stay out there in the left lane. You're not really going to be upsetting nobody. If you can't pass me within two miles stay behind me. If it's gonna take you forever because you're doing a a, a half a mile or a quarter mile faster than I am, you're better off, you'll get better fuel mileage, just stay back there. If you can pass me and you can do it and be two to four miles an hour or more, five miles an hour greater than what I'm doing, by all means, pass me because I don't want you behind me. Um, But if you can't pass me, if if you're unable to go at least five miles an hour faster than I am, just stay behind me. Right. You'll get there at the same time. We could be going coast to coast. And, and you're not going to get to California any much quicker than I am.
2: Are you, uh, most stuff you're doing, is it all daytime?
1: When I'm oversized, there's about a half a dozen, almost 10 states that will allow me to go. If I'm 10 foot and under, wide, okay. we can drive at night. Okay. Uh, most of the time, if you're flagged up, it's a daylight move only. Okay. And then you have to really, really read your provision sheets, because there's a lot of cities that do not want oversized equipment or loads on their streets, in their cities. And it's generally morning commute and afternoon commutes. Albuquerque is a good one. It's out in the middle of nowhere, but they have a six to nine and four to six in the afternoon uh, uh, curfew. And if you're caught inside the city limits moving during that curfew, that's a ticket. They will pull you over and they'll park you. and write you a ticket and that's just to keep the flow of, of uh, traffic moving sure. Chicago they finally figured out that if we're on uh, the tri-state they'll let us go around but for the longest time we couldn't even be on the tri-state really the way around you know,
2: 294, yep. or 294
1: going around in Chicago because that was considered a uh, during during commute yeah. but then you know what happens if you're out there and traffic all of a sudden comes to abrupt stop and you're stuck well, you can't really get, it's hard when you give yourself three hours to go through there. Now all of a sudden it's taking you five or six hours to go through there. So it's hard to do a parking plan. Now
0: for that big reveal I teased up at the top. Just what did Freeman find to fit that Freightliner standard 78 sleeper in his SD in the way of a shower? Well, here we go. A
1: lot of times you just want to take a shower <laughs> right. uh, just to get the, just to take a rinse um after a little bit of tarping or something if you're in miami or you're in orlando and it's 90 degrees outside you're tarping you're going to get hot and sweaty well after you get all done tarping it's time to go you're all hot and sweaty now you got to sit in the seat all hot and sweaty and bunky um for however long it takes you to get to a shower now ultimately you're going to try to do this to where you can get to a place to park safely and legally and then take a shower so it took me a while um i finally went on sprinter van rv and i just i don't even know how i got there but somehow i searched through i was surfing the web and i ended up crashing into that site and <laughs> i found ever shower i don't pursue i'm not a I'm, I'm not promoting them but right i found what's called ever shower and i've seen how flexible this shower system was and i'm able to set it up in my truck in just a matter of minutes in fact about a minute um I can dump a gallon of water into it it recycles the water so it comes it just recycles it and you can take a shower until your life's content and it just on one gallon of sh- one gallon of water yeah. um and it, so even if i'm in a a disaster zone um yeah. and it's like they happen it's always down here it's a hurricane season sure you can find yourself in a in a you can use one gallon. You could do it as little as three quarters of a gallon of water, right. but you can use one gallon of water, and, and at least you can take a shower and get, you know, the the sweat off of you, get the right. salts off of you, and make you feel better. So when you do crawl in bed, you're you're not as nasty. You're not sticky. Uh, can you
2: can you use? Uh, is there like a? Can you use more water than that? I
1: guess it can use. I think you can use two gallons of water. Um, totally. It's as flexible. You yeah. can you can hook up a drain hose to it and hook it up to a garden hose. Yeah. Run it through a hot water heater, and then use um, regular garden hose water. You can set it up out in a parking lot. You can set it up in your truck. You can set it up almost anywhere. It comes with a canopy, so you, once you crawl into it, it it's got its own frame that comes with it you can use what you need to, to set it up um i think you said you often just set it up in your truck kind
2: of behind the passenger seat so. i
1: set it in between the driver's seat and the passenger seat okay i hooked the front part of the the parachute material which is actually what you stand in, um into the, the the netting part of the front of that freight liner, and the back part of it i, I put it on the the cabinets in the back, I just flip it over to the back corners and and that's it. Yeah. So it's it's four simple little hooks. Dump a gallon of water while I, I heat up some water and I dump a gallon of water in it and away I go. Right. Yeah I mean it's just
2: like a it sounds like a great
1: just um, option for you know those situations where you yeah you don't have a you don't
2: have a shower facility.
1: And there's a lot of times when you're oversized, you spend all day strapping and securing and loading and tarping and it's like all right well i can't go nowhere because now i got curfew as i'm running out of daylight i'm not going to get to where i need to go to be safely safe and legally parked i'm where i am i'm parked but now i'm all hot and sticky and i just want to be able to be clean in the morning put some clean clothes on so when i jump in every shower i can take a quick shower i'll be happy i'll be a happy camper and be clean um and literally i found out on sprinter van rvm Okay. That's how I ended up running in on it. I, I said, so I think he said it's an Australian company, right? It's an Australian company. They, they
2: have a distributor here in the US. Yeah. Yep,
1: it's an Australian company, um, and they have a distributor in Missouri. Okay. And I got to give it to them. I ordered that thing like on a Wednesday, and I think Thursday or Friday, it was at the house, and we we kind of looked at it and went, "What? What? What? The hell, what, what? What box just <laughs> came up the driveway?" Um, it require it runs on that no. thing runs on 12 volts plug 12 it volts. into the cigarette lighter and away you go gotcha. I did come up with a way to heat up water in a 1 gallon jug it's called a uh, they use it on a farm it's called a 5 gallon bucket heater wow. to keep the water from freezing for the animals in the winter um that's 110 um yeah, it's, and it's not very big of a thing You plug it in, you stick it, well you stick it in the water, you plug it in and in about 10 minutes I can warm a gallon of water up to 115, 120 degrees. I usually let it cool down a little bit. I found about 110, 112, usually it's a good feeling hot water. And then because I control the climate inside of the truck, I can either turn the heat on or I can turn the air conditioner on or I can turn it off. so that way when you step out of the shower, you're still in the shower. Whatever temperature you want to be at when it comes out, you set that. So life's life's, life's a lot better now that I can take a shower. <laughs> How
2: long has that been since you found that thing? December. Oh, so it's real recent. Okay. Wow. Yeah.
1: And I can usually I'm at a point now when showers are anywhere from 13 to 15 on the bottom side, I've seen shower receipts for as much as $25. So if you can take a shower in your truck and it's just a gallon of water, um, and you can literally pick up a gallon of water almost anywhere. So you could save yourself 15 to $25 by taking a shower in your truck. You know, I mean, I dry everything off before I pack everything up so I don't have to work with any mold or mildew. Yeah, Everything gets dried, it's, it's really simple. I use a sham, like a sham towel that will air dry in literally no time. Right. I don't use cloth or nothing like that for, for towels. I use a chamois yep and and they're they do the job so i make sure everything's all dried and i make sure i'm all dried and then i know who's stood in that thing and i know what how clean that thing is and i don't have to worry about catching anything after my little shower because this is just my little shower
2: (laughs) right it's just you right yeah cool at the same time this is kind of a stopgap. for uh, you told me about some other plans you had for your next truck which is Hopeful for uh, next year around this time.
1: So I'm in the process of putting another semi. This would be my third. Well, this is my second one. So I'm, I'm building my third one. It's going to be a Western Star 49X. Um, it's going to go through Bolt. Bolt uh, manufacturing up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm going to put it on a 270-inch wheelbase. And then Bolt will figure out what sleeper needs to be on that wheelbase. And right now they're estimating a 120-inch or 130-inch sleeper. And then that truck will be 100% self-contained. It will have, uh, the bed folds up and down into a dinette, into a bed. It'll have a single hot, hot plate. It'll have an air induction microwave. It's got its own, it's got a nice refrigerator in it. A refrigerator and a freezer. So you can cook, you can actually never, it's like an RV with a fifth wheel. It's got a, it has a, a permanent mount, shower and a bathroom in it with a cassette bathroom. So when you do go to the bathroom, you can always wheel it in and and use like flying J, pilot flying J's a lot of them have dumps yeah. where you can take the the the, the black water and dump yeah. it. Yep. It's
2: like R V dump.
1: Right? It's just an R V yeah. dump. You can take it home and dump it in your own right. sewer system. Cool. And yeah. then my next one, like I say that one and I'm building that one. Um, and the reason why I'm going to a two hundred and seventy maybe a little bit longer, but not much, is because folks like Canada still have length flaws, and yeah. the longer the truck, the shorter you have to have a wheelbase on the trailer. So if you get a van, you can suck the tires up on a van, but on a on specialized equipment like this RGN, them, them tires don't move. Them axles are solid, they're, they going to, the they're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So in order for me to go into a more of a custom build semi, I gotta watch my overall length, because Canada, ultimately, is 75 feet, six inches. But if you're pulling, like I say, if you're pulling a van, it's about that kingpin setting. You could be 80 feet long, but you can suck the the tandems up underneath of it, still make kingpin and be legal in Canada.
2: And you do go up there a good bit, eh?
1: I do. Right now, I am all 48, and I've actually been to half. I've been to Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, and Quebec. And I've got a load pretty much booked already to go to Kodiak Island, Alaska oh, wow. and on that trip there's no ifs ands or buts. Uh, the maximum length trailer because they're just the boat will not take anything else. Uh, the maximum length trailer to go to Kodiak Island is 48 foot you actually drop your trailer on the boat and then you have to disconnect because there's no room for you and then you park next to the trailer or you park in a parking spot on the boat ride and that's a 137 mile boat ride and it could take up well it could take a long time to get there but they they said pre-planned for 15 hours to get there and once i do that that's like the bucket list for anybody who's been in the industry for a while yep. everybody has alaska on the bucket list <laughs> so i mean i've coined this I, i've coined this years ago Actually, when I became an owner-operator, I am not a truck driver. I mm-hmm. haven't been a truck driver for years. I'm a paid professional tourist. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: And then I enjoy my job. Yeah,
2: cool. When are you doing that, do you know?
1: It's supposed to be sometime second quarter, third quarter. Okay. They've already put my name on it, and I've okay. already agreed, hey, I'll go up there.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, there is a lot of logistics that I have to do because one, getting to Alaska, um it's not like down here in the states where you can stop every 20 miles at a truck stop and go take a shower sure yeah nay nay that's not going to happen up there uh, a lot of the infrastructure up there for truck stops they don't have showers so you can stop and get fuel now there's garden hose out back if you want to stand in i don't know 10 degree weather go take a shower and knock yourself out huh. hence the little shower system i got now will come in extremely handy okay because every night i can take a shower and i don't care where i'm parked you can get parking But you're not gonna get the creature conference that we have here. You're not gonna get the same as you will, you know, Petro TAs where it's a full service, um, sit down restaurant, whatever. You're not gonna get that all the way up there. You know, a lot of places in the States, you're not gonna get that either. Yeah, sure. You came to trucking
2: after military service, right?
1: So I had dueling careers. So I went active duty in 88, went through Desert Shield, Storm, and Desert Farewell. Came back to the United States and said, yep, no, I've had enough of this military stuff. Got out and went into the Army Reserves. And when I got out, I used my GI Bill. I invested about $3,000, 3500 in my GI Bill. And I actually went to work for, well, I went to school at J.B. Hunt. And I worked for J.B. Hunt uh, for a number of years. And then, long story short, I stayed as a reservist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would, i get called up. I still do my two week in, or one week or two weeks a year and one weekend every month. I still did all of that. Um, my last tour as a senior non-commissioned officer in the military, in the army, my last tour back into bag, back over in the Middle East, was to Baghdad, and that was in 2010. And then I retired with 25 years out of the military in 2013. But in between all my military time, I continued to drive truck, yeah. either as a company driver or a, after 05 an owner operator yeah uh, being an owner operator being in the army reserves made it really tough because every time i wanted every time i got a good really paid load that went i don't know long distance i up. had <laughs> a reserve i had i had drill weekend it. it was yeah. like you got to be kidding me but i managed to stick it out for 25 years my wife was in it for 26 and a half years Okay. And then she retired out when I was in the Middle East this last time. Okay. She was in the Army as well. In yeah. fact, a lot of times we were in the same unit. Okay. Um, cool. I ended up as a promotable E-8. She ended up as an E-7, Sergeant's First Class. And, and it worked out great. Although I was private when I got home and she was still a Sergeant. <laughs> That's the way things work.
0: Big thanks to owner-operator Freeman and Marho for both. As well as Mr. Brian Sheehan for their input on this one. You can contribute feedback yourself anytime with a message to our podcast line at 615-852-8530. Overdrive Raiders is available wherever you get your podcasts at the world famous overdriveonline.com, Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and many more. Leave us a rating and review, and subscribe if you haven't. Find pictures of Freeman's oversized hauler in the post that houses this podcast for March 17, 2023 at Overdrive. Hyphen radio Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive The voice of the American Trucker It's edited and produced by me Todd Dills with the acoustic guitar and other support Of Trucker songwriter and Overdrive Contributor long haul Paul Marhofer The The theme is Legend of the Snake Man By Marhofer Featuring the guitar work of Travis the Snake Man himself Whamick Terry Two Socks Richardson on bass Keys by Tishomingo Jim Whitehead And On drums, Andrew Marshall. The podcast is backed up further by Overdrive Zone news editor Matt Cole, social media coordinator Holly Young, executive editor Alex Locke, and video editors Lawson Rudisel and Mr. Andrew Quinn. See you next time.